Omega, an ancient Time Lord made of pure antimatter, is plotting to cross over dimensions by bonding with a doctor. Meanwhile, the disappearance of a man in Amsterdam piques the curiosity of his cousin Tegan, who quickly finds herself at Omega's mercy. Fearing total destruction from the collision of matter and antimatter, the Time Lords recall the doctor to Gallifrey to undertake their only viable solution to execute him. This is the Ark of Infinity. Welcome to Regenerated. Respected by all. Why now turn to evil? You don't understand. This creature will soon control the Matrix. Is that what you want? This is no alien creature, Doctor. It's one of us, a Time Lord. The first and greatest of our people. The one who sacrificed all to give us mastery of time and was shamefully abandoned in return. Omega. Yes, Omega. But Omega died. No, he exists, Doctor. He only wants to live amongst us and he will as soon as he transfers here omega is insane once in control he wants nothing for himself the power he brings is for the good of all hello and welcome back to regenerate my name's matt and i'm joined as always by my beautiful wife becky you changed the adjective for once yeah just so that you notice Uh, well i did and we're back for what's it season 20 uh, yes, season 20. Uh, yeah, no, it's been so long. Um, so we are talking about Arc of Infinity today, which is the first serial of season 20. Um, but, well, just quickly, for the last episode, we did actually go through what's coming up. I'll quickly just brush over it quickly, just so people know. So we've got this week's Arc of Infinity, Snake Dance, The Mordred Undead, uh, Terminus, Enlightenment, and then The King's Demons. And then we'll finish off with the uh, special, which we um we concluded was the 30th anniversary no 20th anniversary uh the five doctors special is going to be the end of the uh, the season so all right right anyway cleared that up so arc of infinity as always we'll do all the little logistic bits and then we'll talk about it so third to the 12th of january um 1983 so We've gone through to a yet, uh, yet another year. This one was written by Johnny Bryan, who did um, he did the Keeper of Tracken, uh, this one, and then there was another one. When we get to it, we'll mention that. And it was directed by Ron Jones, who did Black Orchid, Time Flight, and now Arc of Infinity. This one was uh, four episodes this week uh, and this season. There are a few. I think there's a couple two-parters. So it's nice to mention that this one was a four-parter. And we will talk about the poll because I like, I think in retrospective, um, talking about the poll early, then we can sort of go through the points and stuff like that. And then we can see if it actually warrants where it was in the, the fans voted poll. It's coming at 211 out of 241, is it? Or three? 
I can't remember now without getting the poll up, but it's 240 something. And uh, before we actually dive into this one, we'll go through the synopsis because I found that this one was. So one of the bottom feeders. Yeah, unfortunately, yes. Um, it might be its complexity, I would say, because I found this really complex in times. Some of all that sort of sciencey technical babble. Is, Not really. Well, I did anyway. Mm-hmm. But anyway, let's go for the synopsis and then we'll well, I dive. pretty much failed science, but I still knew a fair amount of what he was talking about. Okay, okay. Anyway, the synopsis. Mainly because I barely ever turned up, but... Mm. Well, that'd be why. <laughs> I didn't like my teachers. They were annoying. Who does like their teachers, Becky? Yeah, well, one looked like she'd been reversed between a wall and a truck. Mm. And the other one, basically, barely... E- she tried to tell me that... Um, my epilepsy was inherited. She also basically tried to tell me a load of crap that was actually wrong about biology. So nice to know she was a decent biology teacher. Mm-hmm. And my physics teacher decided to tell, well, have a go at me, call me a lot of obscene names. Um, yeah, so I didn't turn up for that one after that okay. either. Okay. So sounds like teachers weren't the, uh, the best thing then. Oh, no, not really, not there. Anyway. It's so like they're, they're the sort of teachers that worked in a high school, but then they whinged about being around kids. It's like, well, you're in the wrong blooming job then. Mm. Anyway, so the synopsis. Omega, an ancient time lord made of pure antimatter, once defeated by the Doctor, is plotting to cross over into this dimension by bonding with the Doctor. Meanwhile, the disappearance of a man in Amsterdam piques the curiosity of his cousin, Tegan, who previously left the Doctor at Heathrow Airport and now finds herself at Omega's mercy. Fearing total destruction from the collision of matter and antimatter, the Time Lords recall the Doctor to Gallifrey to undertake the only viable solution to execute him. So, yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. So, in last the last season and last episode, um, at the very end, uh, the Doctor sort of... I don't know if he kind of accidentally or intentionally intentionally left Tegan behind because we will say what happens in the end of this serial because I think it ties into this whole Tegan thing. So he did obviously leave her uh, behind and then... uh, It seemed like it was longer than the last episode. Well, yeah, it might... Well, what, time-wise, like between the film and or what? What? What do you mean seems longer? Well, to me, it seems longer because basically, I don't know, because I can't remember when we last did a podcast. That was about two weeks ago. That's probably why. Anyway, so, yeah, so obviously there's some time, some time has gone by. uh, So Tegan's obviously got on with her life without the Doctor. Uh, Through the course of the serial, we find out that Tegan's actually lost her job as an air hostess, so she mustn't have been very good. Um, And at the very end of the serial, obviously, she rejoins the Doctor and the TARDIS and Nyssa. And there's a little bit where she sort of says, I've lost my job, so I can now rejoin you. And he sort of does a little sort of, not an eye roll, but it's kind of like a little bit of sort of like, oh, oh God, here we go again sort of thing. Yep. Uh, so that makes me think that maybe he didn't accidentally leave her behind in the first place. It might have been sort of like, where's Tegan? Oh, well, she must have gone back. I'm done with her sort of, I would say whiness, but she's kind of stopped doing that now. And she's kind of like now become... Sort of, she's 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 sort of grown a bit of a backbone Although with the creatures I don't like, and stuff I like. really don't like that haircut. Well, it's just it was uh, Janet Fielden's style. She hasn't got short hair now, but she obviously did in the eighties. 
and yeah all right i get it if you've got that sort of shaped face then yeah fair enough it probably suits you and it's okay but i could never get away with anything like that because i have I th- more of a rounded head i do think the way they've written back into it was kind of in a way kind of good to see it coming when especially when there's sort of all this sort of uh, mystery around who the cousin was i think you kind of thought mm, well what's going to happen here but i will say through the course of serial one-to-one so it's the doctor companion so doctor and nissa i think it worked really well definitely wasn't oversaturated with three companions like we have had and i do think you know we had like a taste there of one-to-one again like back in the tom baker days and it actually really worked yeah but i think that's like when you get like um ones where they have um sort of in new who you get like eggleston and um Obviously, Billy Piper, and then you get um, sometimes Mickey comes into it, and sometimes um, you get um, John Barrowman as well. But then the problem is, it's like it's sort of like hit and miss mm. because you can tell of the uncomfortability. Yep. Between one, I won't say you know, it's sort of you can see it on screen the uncomfortability as it gets more than one companion. Mm. yeah i know and we'll have maybe to see. yes because of obviously with the doctor us more people he's got to look after i suppose yeah it's more people to get into trouble but yeah um we'll see how it go how it you know it goes now you know and uh what was it uh what the hell was the last one called uh time flight and time flight yeah it has a two-person companion i don't really know if it kind of worked in that and we'll see how it is going forward i don't think uh yeah we st- I'm going to guess that Niss is going to come out of it soon. I don't, I can't remember when she comes out of it, but I'm going to think she's going to come out of it soon and we might get a, a sort of situation where it is just Tegan and the Doctor. So we might see how that kind of dynamic works as well. But mm. I do I do like the one-to-one. It's just, it works better in my eyes because it's, you get more you get more plot, you get more story and you get also like the companion involved instead of writing one companion out while the other one does all the work. You know, a bit like yeah. this week, to be honest, because obviously Tegan was kind of stuck in Amsterdam uh, at the, like, as the synopsis says, at the mercy of um, uh, Omega, you know, and while Nissa and the Doctor are kind of doing all the sort of the back, yeah. background sort of stuff, you know, it kind of, in a way, they kind of writ her out of it. So, yeah, we'll see. Anyway, let's start at the beginning. So I will conf- I will refer to the fandom's TARDIS page because, like I say, the... the I found it a little bit confusing, so we'll dip in um, to that and pick some little plot lines out. So on Gallifrey, a Time Lord is at work stealing the biodata extract of another Time Lord, which we come to learn is the Doctor. Uh, And he kills uh, a technician named Tala who stumbles across the crime to sort of cover up. So there's a little bit of a who is it sort of mystery. Yeah. Um, When we get to Gallifrey, they kind of got like all the High Council members and it's kind of which one is it? Uh, and obviously it ends up being the one you don't expect, um, mm. which is always the way, isn't it? So uh, the traitor provides the biodata to a creature composing of antimatter and uses the biodata to invade the TARDIS and then the fifth Doctor's meta, meta, was it? metabolism. 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 Yeah, I think it is. Um, yeah, so... Seriously? Right. Well, we get... Um, like I say, then basically he stole it. He gives it to Omega because Omega has to bond with the Doctor. Um, why? That's my question. So he can exist 
Yeah, why the doctor? Because uh... that bit I got confused with. I don't understand why it was the doctor. Uh, I probably missed that part of it. Maybe but... because he's the only one they thought, you know, would be a good sacrifice. Or maybe it's like the bio readings are quite similar to Omega, maybe. Maybe, but then there's a whole other thing of that guy who was kind of responsible for doing it. I can't mm. remember his name now. Well, we can't... It... Um, He was very sort of close to the Doctor, so... Yeah, well, we come to find, and he obviously... Was like, he's, you know, he's a friend and things like Yeah, yeah, so probably no nice friend if he's throwing you under the bus. Again, uh, fans of Regenerated would know this is a spoiled uh, synopsis and we do jump about the bit, so we might as well say who who it actually is because then we can sort of talk about it um it is actually um what's his name head headen headen yes uh, who is kind of like like say a friend i think have we seen him before the trouble is when you watch doctor remember. who when you watch doctor who we have seen gallifrey before i remember it was back back when tom baker's era about the castellan and things like that but i think castellan is more of a position than a person yeah and also we meet up with what's it darren is it damon damon yeah damon has he been sin because at one point the doctor asks him how's Leela? Yeah. So I'm guessing he's the one that went off with Leela when they went back to Gallifrey. Yeah. Because if you remember, Leela did actually leave at Gallifrey. So uh, it's been so long since we've watched them. I can't remember. I can't remember if we've known them characters before, the same actors or whatever. I'll have to look at the show notes at the end and see if it actually mentions that. But anyway, so um, the doctor. Uh, Basically, when this all happens, where they try to bond, when Omega, obviously it's Omega, uh, tries to bond to with the honest, Doctor. To be honest, it was that longer. I can't even remember where Leela went to. She went to Gallifrey. No, no, she went to Gallifrey. I'm just saying. She stayed behind on Gallifrey. But why? Well, I don't know. I can't remember now. She fell fell for the guy or something, didn't she? Probably. Anyway, so when we were in the TARDIS, this, I thought this was quite an interesting thing. Is it kind of like they do, uh, they kind of like, it's like the writers are sort of winking at us as the fans, saying we, we do realise this sort of thing. Like uh, the Doctor is sort of fixing bits of the TARDIS um, and he's fixed the audio interface for the scanner. So now they can hear, th- hear things through the scanner. And she, Nissa says about, well, why don't you um, fix the navigation controls? Because we don't seem to ever land where we want to, sort of thing. Which they do. They do it more than what they try to make out in the program. Like, you know, like uh, last in the last uh, serial, he sort of went back to Heathrow in modern day, and he hovered it. Um, he landed it, didn't he, on where the doctor, uh, where the master's TARDIS was going to land. So he can control it to some degree. So there's a little bit of a, ne- a wink yeah, there. Yeah, but that's kind of like, well, if he knew how to get back all the time, you know, I was kind of like, well, how did it take so long? Yeah. But then there's also the fact of, you know, when this time when they said about landing in Amsterdam, mm. you know, it's like, well, yeah, but yeah, in previous episodes, when he would have tried to put in Amsterdam, it would have been like 300 years before or something yeah, exactly. like that. Yeah, all it's of a on sudden the time, yeah. On the right time as well, and the right location. Also, Nissa mentions about guns, because beforehand, <laughs> you couldn't fire a gun in the TARDIS. And then from previous serials, like with Cybermen coming into the TARDIS firing guns, you can. So she actually makes a mention to that, which I thought was quite, well, yeah, was quite but funny, to be to honest. To be fair, so, you know, that, that's a bit, you know, what I think she's getting at is obviously if they were, you know, if they'd have gone in the TARDIS and not been able to shoot, then they would have been rendered sort of yeah. incapable. But then saying that, 
didn't she use like a bomb thing? Yeah, yeah. So kind of blow them a smithereens, which mm. she wouldn't have been able to do that either. So exactly. So they kind of it's do, a catch twenty two. They are kind of ex- uh, sort of discussing it a little bit, I think. And I think that's more of a catch twenty two situation. Yeah. So it? while they're in the TARDIS, uh, Omega tries to bond with the Doctor, and this has to help him sort of recover. Basically, the creature or Omega is a- shielded in this attempt to bond with the Doctor by what is called Christian. the Arc of Affinity. Why do you look a half snake without a mouth? What? Omega. I don't know. It's just it's a really strange look of the character as well. Well, it kind of looks like a cross between like a toad and a snake, but, yeah, but with I no like actual mouth. The way I sort of perceive it is anti-matter. You got matter, which is like everything. So you know, like yeah, atoms, that sort of stuff. You know, yeah. a brick is matter, or you know, humans are matter. So anti-matter would be void of being of substance would be my perception of what antimatter is well, yeah so he is he contained in a suit so the suit that he's wearing is containing his antimatter because it has no form does it it's really complex yeah. it, i'm not a scientist uh probably this is probably as close as a scientist i'll get to you know it was doctor who but you know it was kind of like obviously he hasn't got no form so he needs a doctor like bio data to form basically yeah and maybe by trying to bond with him he's kind of stealing a little bit of like his dna or something to try and like replicate it into a body yeah, i don't maybe. really know anyway the shield by what is called the arc of infinity is a curious curve between the dimensions containing quad uh, magnetism which can shield antimatter See what I mean about being complex? Yeah. So basically, it is a uh, magnetism which shields Omega from bonding. The Doctor then decides to head to Gallifrey to track down the supplier of his bio data, curious that unless the creature trying to cross universes is... uh, Unless the creature trying to cross the universes is stopped, its incursion could cause a fatal chain reaction to the universe. That's a little bit wrong because actually the Doctor is recalled to Gallifrey, not actually he decides to head. So obviously this is the trouble with the fandom page. It's like Wikipedia. It's uh, edited by fans. So it's a little bit, that's a little bit wrong. Um, But never trust anything on Wiki. Well, no, this is kind of like the the, the mm. Doctor Who wiki page, but anyway. So while all this is sort of happening, we we then stumble across two. Because you ba- get one person thinking they know right when it's actually wrong, well, and they change it. it. That's it. So we stumble across two backpackers, uh, Robert Stewart and Colin Fraser. Now Colin Fraser is uh, Tegan's cousin, so they're uh, backpacking. He didn't sound very Australian to me, to be I honest. I didn't notice it to start off with. Well, and I, I wonder did. if that is a plot point. So you don't I did. It. I I kept thinking, what the hell's that accent? And I was like, to me, I sounded more South African than uh, well, than Australian. Even, I didn't even notice he had an accent, to be honest. I did. So that's so much I was paying attention. Well, to, that's the his, thing. His I accent. know Australian accents. You know, my auntie Pat's lived there long enough. She has a very thick Australian mm. accent sometimes. And the thing is, it's you know, it, it's like. You know, you go up to Hull for like a couple of days, and next mm. thing you know, you're talking like them. Yeah. But the point is, is you know, that sounded more South African than Australian. Yeah. Anyway, is it because they didn't? They decided to. They decide to crash in a crypt, which is kind of like a pump house. They call it a pump house and a crypt. Is it because they didn't have no money, or is it because the hostel wasn't ready until the next day or something? Um, I don't know. 
because they end up staying. He ends up going to hostel later on. Yeah, but he might have booked that. I think like... I think it's because the hostel's not ready to the next day, so they need somewhere obviously to crash. So they went to a pump house. So they sort of kept down there and, and sort of uh, sleeping bags during the night. Colin hears what basically is a TARDIS uh, materializing. He goes yeah, and investigates. Would make one go the loo. Yeah, I know. Uh, he goes and investigates and he finds basically a bird-like creature, skeletonly type creature called an Ergon. That remind me of. Go on. Um, what's his name? Um, uh, the guy in Beetlejuice. What, Alec Baldwin? Yeah. What, when he pushes his head back and he pulls his nose forward? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit, yeah, I suppose. So, yeah, it's called an Ergon, which basically hypnotises Colin and a terrified Robin basically runs away. So Colin's kind of zombified in a way and he's kind of under the control of this Ergon and obviously this Ergon is working for Omega. So that's the TARDIS uh, sound. So there's a little bit like more of a clue there that actually Omega is more of a Time Lord than what we think. So, um, so yeah, he runs away and then he goes to the hostel. I did think it looked a bit TARDISy inside. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, it is, isn't it? It is basically. Yeah, used, but how's he got a TARDIS the if set? they kind of, you know, if obviously... they banished him to the Matrix? How is he basically? In a TARDIS. Oh, I don't know. Again, plot points, Becky. Plot points. Anyway, the High Council of the Time Lords has also taken the matter seriously and has decreed that the Doctor's TARDIS should be recalled. So this is so. And maybe since I, when maybe was that Planet is... Earth and part of the Matrix mm. for him to actually land there? Yeah, I know. Anyway, uh, maybe actually then that person is right. Maybe I forget that the Doctor maybe did want to go back. I can't really recall it, so that might be a little bit of a, a sort of correction there that maybe the doctor did want to go back to Gallifrey but to be honest the job's done for him because they actually recall him mm. so there is a um, an overzealous shall we say chancellery guard called Commander Maxell obviously Becky you're eagle eyed you know who Commander Maxell was portrayed by uh, I don't because that's been basically annoying me. Really? You call yourself a Doctor Who fan? We're doing a po- Doctor Who podcast and you don't know who Commander Maxwell is. Colin Baker? Yes, you got it right. It's Colin Baker in his first role in Doctor Who. So obviously he portrayed Maxwell. They obviously liked him a lot. Uh, enough. To be honest, I don't even know that. I just basically is <laughs> a massive guess. So he obviously uh, portrayed him well enough that they then decided when they were looking for the next doctor, that was just they a gave major him the role. So. Guess, to be fair, but there you go. So his portrayal of Maxwell's quite good. It's quite um, gun ho. Yeah, it is. Like I said, overzealous. Uh, overzealous. He's a very basically big on you know. So shooting people. A lot of people could say, well, how can he be Maxell and the Doctor? But it has happened before, hasn't it, with Romana? Um, Romana actually stole, like, uh, I can't remember what her name was, Astra. Is it Astrid? Astra. Astra. Yeah, um, Princess Astra, is it? Yeah. Uh, her look, so you could actually do that. So, yeah, I think if I think if it was, like, 10 years ago he betrayed Commander Maxell, that wouldn't be so bad. But because it's, like, literally a couple of years before he become the Doctor, it's kind of obvious and... You can kind of see it, mm. you know, and you, it's kind of fresh in the memory, so you kind of remember it. Anyway, uh, so he then sees the Doctor and Nyssa, and then while the Doctor is sort of resisting arrest and they're running around, Maxwell basically shoots him, and that's the end of uh, part one. So yeah, I do quite like uh, Maxwell as a character. He, uh, in interviews with Colin Baker, who actually has recently turned 80 years old. It was mm. his birthday 
last week, I think it was, and he turned 80. So as we're recording this, this is uh, Monday the 12th of June. So when people listen to this, it'll be Sunday. So it was like a week and a half ago for people who went there listening to this. But as we're recording it, it was last week. So yeah, he's 80 years old now. So, you know, people get on, they're getting old, don't they? You know, mm. some Tom Baker's also getting fairly well, my old. my nanny needs a new boyfriend. So when he <laughs> portrayed the doctor... She managed to get out of the house. So when he portrayed the doctor in the 80s, what's that, 40 years ago? Uh, yeah, it's nearly nearly 40 years. We've got 30 years. So he was 40 um, well, years I'm old when he portrayed the doctor. And I was born halfway through 89, so... Well, he took it over in probably 86, I think. Until we get there, I don't really know. It was 85, maybe. So 37 years ago. So if he's 80 now... Don't know. If he's 80 now... Mm. He was like late 40s when he became the Doctor. Still quite quite an old Doctor, really. Mm. Not as old, obviously, as William Hartnell, but he was a quite old Doctor for what we have seen. Mm. Anyway, part two. The Doctor had basically been stunned to ensure his delivery to the High Council. So because he's resisting arrest, they just think it's easy just to, to basically wipe him out and then they can deliver him. I when... think they kind of tried to make the Doctor younger as he, they go on. Because obviously, the younger they make him, the more action-packed scenes they can put him Maybe, into. Maybe yes. And the more he can run. Yeah, and you know, this Doctor is definitely more running around Doctor than sort of someone like you know Tom Baker did do a bit of running about, but yeah, Peter Davison's Doctor is more runny, actiony type type Doctor, isn't he? So, oh, sort of an athlete. <laughs> when he's brought before the High Council, although the new... those poor girls running around in them blooming shoes, though. Hmm. It's like, Christ's sake, I can't even barely run a yes. pair of flats. Yes, when alone. Tegan arrives, she's got like sort of heels on, so she's sort of yeah, comp- even this cop- is, copping around as she's sort of running to keep up with the doctor. Sort of like ankle boots, and mm. they've got a bit of a heel on. Yeah. So uh, when he is brought before the High Council, the new Lord President, Borash, is inscrutably while uh, Chancellor Thalia and Cardinal Zorak are openly hostile. Only his old friend, Councillor Hedin, seems pleased to see the Doctor back on Gallifrey. So, yeah, I, I quite like when they go back to, well, that's to Gallifrey. the thing, because when, they, when they've been there before, the Castellan was always sort of, like, in his corner. Mm. Whereas this time, the Castellan's very sort of anti yeah, at uh, first. So you're meant to believe that it's the Castellan who is actually the, the yeah. traitor. That's, that's obviously that's a trope in mystery, is that it's a red herring. So, you know, they kind of do that oh, here. Oh, yeah, they can't make it too obvious. Mm. So, like I said, I can't remember if we've seen Hedden before. I would think we have when doc- the Doctor went back in. Oh, I'm uh, trying to think of what else that act has been in us driving. I think it's probably nuts. this, to be honest. But anyway, the President stresses the gravity no, of the situation else. since the creature poses such a threat to the universe and the High Council hasn't had, had no alternative but to issue a warrant of termination on the Doctor to ensure the creature can no longer bond with him. Um, so basically they want him to basically what, be... What is it? The Ark of Infinity? Yeah. So he basically wants the Doctor to be terminated so that they can't actually bring Omega in, you know, and bond with yeah, him. Yeah, where was the Ark? <laughs> well, that's it. I'm, I'm not sure if the Ark is supposed to be like a no-seeing thing or it's just it's like... a thing we don't see. I think we it's, know it's more there. of like, um, you know, um, more sort of a metaphor again. Mm. Yeah, so basically, so they, they basically want to terminate the Doctor so he can't actually, um, you know, bond with Omega. But fortunately for the Doctor, uh, his old friend, 
Damon, who is another technician in the records section, provides the doctor with proof he needs that a member of the High Council is actually a traitor and stole his biodata extract. Actually, he's in quite a lot. Right, so... Um, obviously, it's Michael Goff. Yeah, Michael Goff. Um, he died in 2011. Well, um, that was, that's still a while ago, so... Sherlock Holmes. Right, okay. Dracula. Okay. Phantom of the Opera, Pride and Prejudice. Mm. Well, these are just ones that we know. Like, there's quite a lot of lists, but, you know, I'm kind of like, yeah. Batman films, I don't know what ones. Right, okay. Um, I just said Batman films. Sleepy Hollow was what I was thinking of. Okay, yeah. Because I think he plays um, the notary Hardenbrook. Right, so... Also, and uh, Corpse Bride. while we're talking about Michael Goff as well, he's actually, he, he has been in Doctor Who before, but he did not play Hedden. So we haven't actually seen him portray Hedden. Uh, from was, what I can see in, he was his, a toy in maker. the. Yep, he was actually the celestial toy maker as well in the uh, William Hartnell era. Uh, so we haven't actually seen you this do character. Know. I've so actually we, got this on, on her. Yeah, well, it's... I've got it as well. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so basically, you know, so we haven't actually seen him. Uh, Damon, let's see on Damon. Have we actually seen this guy before? Um, I don't know. I don't think we have. There you go. He it. played so... Alfred Pennyworth in Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Yep, that's right. I remember now. So, uh, yep. And Damon is basically, it doesn't say on his that he has um, portrayed uh, Neil... Daglish is who portrayed Damon. It doesn't say in the wiki that he's been in it before. So we're just supposed to assume that he knew these people and that they were involved. But anyway, so yeah, uh, while all this is sort of going on, Tegan has basically arrived in Amsterdam. She's looking for her cousin Colin, obviously. She then meets up with Robin, who tells her that Colin has disappeared. Robin's been to the police. They don't really want to know, so they have to take matters into their own hands. When neither of them can persuade, like I said, the police to take any interest, they decide to investigate the crypt themselves. And this is how you sort of bring Tegan back into the fold of something that's not quite right and sort of doctor-ish and space and all that. Back on Gallifrey, the Doctor is basically soon taken for his execution because obviously they put that warrant of termination. His, Nissa tries to save him, but the Doctor sort of tells her, "Don't no, don't do that. Don't step in. Just let it happen." They place the Doctor in the dispersal chamber, and then basically the sentence is carried out. And he sort of, you sort of see for a brief second, they sort of try to merge, like Omega merges with him. Mm. or the silhouette of Omega is kind of on top of him and then the Doctor just disappears and that's the end of part two. So in part three, basically they suspect that the Doctor is death uh, is dead. He's not actually. He's actually... His mind has been taken into the Time Lord's living repository of knowledge, which is basically called the Matrix. So I think the Matrix is quite an interesting premise. Um, also, not to be confused with the film, the Matrix... Uh, Yes, Doctor Who called. They want their idea back. <laughs> because you got to think, 80s? Anyway, so while his body is kind of hidden behind a force field in the termination cu cubicle, the uh, creature Omega is then revealed to be the renegade Time Lord Re Omega, who demands basically an opportunity to return to the universe it once inhabited. The truth of the aborted execution is then discovered by the wily Castellan, who, while questioning Nyssa and Damon about their involvement, tells them that the Doctor is actually still alive. So obviously there's a little bit of sort of... Um, 
you know, they obviously think he's dead, but he's obviously not. Then the Castellan basically is, uh, is uh, summoned and then tells the High Council of this information as well. Then we go back to the crypt where obviously Tegan and Robin are attacked by the Ergon sort of creature. Uh, mm. But there's the sort of weapon they shot a shot, which is a matter converter, and they are transported into a hidden TARDIS, which belongs to Omega. Their minds are then scanned and they revealing uh, revealing to the Omega that Tegan actually knows the Doctor. So he basically uses this now as a, a way of getting, T, uh, getting the Doctor to bow to his will because he says, I'll send you back, but I want you not to interfere with the bonding. He kind of says, no, I'm not going to do that. Then he sort of projects his image of Tegan, only for the Doctor not to believe that it's Tegan. And then the doctor, uh, and Omega sort of uh, tortures her a little bit uh, to get the Doctor com- to comply. And... Um, that's what it basically does then. So the Doctor is then returned to normal space on Gallifrey, where he makes for the High Council chamber. Lord President Boris has fallen under the suspicion of being a traitor because the Castellan has revealed it with... Uh, has revealed basically that his codes have been used. So the President's codes have been used to access the bio data and all that sort of stuff. So again, another kind of red herring there. to try and so we kind of thought it was the Castellan. Now we're thinking it's the President... You know, we're sort of flitting from one person to another. Who actually is it? Um, so uh, we then find out, however, that is actually Hedden is the traitor in the awe of his master, which is the mighty Omega. And he's basically the first Time Lord and pioneer of the time travel. And he kind of feels that Omega's been a bit hard done by here because obviously he was banished, wasn't it? Yep. From the council and Gallifrey and that. But he's the guy who's responsible for t- their time travel. So basically, Hedden wishes to release Omega from his exile in a universe of antimatter, not realizing the great time laws have been driven mad by his years of solitary confinement. The, Cast- the Castellan ends up killing Hedden, but this does not prevent Omega using the Ark of Infinity to seize total control of the Matrix and therefore the organization of Gallifrey. And that's the end mm-hmm. of part three. So. I think it's quite an interesting prom- premise that they're sort of deep diving back into like the history of the Time Lords. And it's like we've had a bit about Rassilon and we get yeah. a little bit more about Rassilon in the future. But yeah, Omega was quite a good sort of thing. And I'm thinking, uh, big spoiler alert, I think Omega comes back at some point as well. So I think we do get to see a little bit more from this uh, entity creature, Time Lord, whatever you want to call him. So yeah. Part four, the the final part. Fortunately, the Doctor and Nissa managed to slip away and return to the TARDIS. They used the scant knowledge provided by Tegan to determine that Omega has established his base in Amsterdam on Earth. So while he's in the Matrix, the Doctor and the image of Tegan, they sort of converse a little bit where uh, Omega doesn't really want her to tell the Doctor where they are. But he kind of does uh, really sort of allow it, I think, kind of, because yeah. he said it doesn't really matter if you know it'll be too late anyway. So she kind of gives them a little bit of information that they're in Amsterdam and that. So that's where they go. They head there immediately, desperately trying to find this crypt uh, that she's described. After a kind of lengthy hunt, they do actually find this layer and they find it's defended by that Ergon. Nissa disposes of it with um, basically its own matter converter, so using its own weapon against it. They reach Omega's TARDIS at the point at which both the ship is destroyed and Omega makes full uh, makes full transference to the Earth using the Ark of Infinity. But it didn't really kind of work. It's kind of uh, messed up. So... 
I think the doctor said it's only temporary. The bond's only temporary. Yeah. So he kind of takes off the outfit and he reveals that he's actually the doctor. So there's no, so Peter Davis had to do double duty here. He's Omega and the doctor. So Omega uh, starts to sort of, um, it says Omega peels his decaying mask. He reveals that he's now the same face as the doctor. So there's like a little bit where they have a little bit of special effects there, whether they have that bonding where the mask sort of like, disintegrates a little bit and sort of oozes gunge and stuff like that mm. it's quite a cool little effect i thought um omega then heads off into amsterdam with the doctor Teganissa and uh no sorry omega heads off into amsterdam with the doctor Tegan and Nissa in hot pursuit they're sort of running around i think it's one of them things where they kind of had a day there so they kind of tried to get all the sites they could and use all the sites of uh, amsterdam they really could in this mm. one sequence where they're running around yeah, following no, well, no, no, but it's Amsterdam. They used the bridge, didn't they? They used like all the because there's loads of bridges in there, and they got like the pull down bridge as well. They used yeah, well, it's they a used big that. Canal, yeah. So, oh, excuse me. <clears throat> so yeah, they kind of used as much as they could um, while they're sort of pursuing Mega. He's sort of uh, he's decaying. His hands decay. His face is decay. You know, it's sort of clear that this new body is not going to be a permanent fixture. When the Dr. Tegan and Nissen catch up with him, it's a painful task for the Doctor to use the Ergon's matter converter on Omega, expelling him back to his own universe of antimatter. So that's kind of like a, a sort of hint that he may be back at one point. The Time Lord High Council on Gallifrey then detects the end of this threat. And then yeah, later... I thought that could either send him... He said he could send him back or kill him. Yeah. But they never say which one he did. Exactly. So it's kind of like open-ended so they could bring him back. So yeah. it's like they could do a sequel here. So then the very, very, very so end. So it sounds like EastEnders where they keep trying to bump people off and then well, bringing do, them back all the so, time. So uh, later at the very end. So uh, no one's ever really dead, you know? Yeah. So Tegan basically checks on her cousin's progress in the hospital. Die, that's like Star Wars. If you don't see him die, then they're not dead. No, exactly. So because T- that's the thing. Um, for Palpatine, he fell. You never saw him die. Mm. So... Uh, Later on, Tiga checks on her cousin's progress Although in hospital someone, because the... Someone tried saying that about Darth Vader. I was like, they burnt him. Yeah. How could he not be dead? So, because um, because her cousin's the kind of... Uh, the hold is released. Uh, he ends up in hospital and then she decides to rejoin the TARDIS crew. Um, this time as a willing traveller. That's the difference as well. She wants to be with the Doctor this time around. So, yeah. That's the, that's the thing. I think everyone's like... Um... Every time you get a companion, they're like, oh, well, either they're willing or even when they're not willing, they think they basically bite off more than they can chew and they're like, I don't think I can handle this. And then they're like, I want to go home. And then basically they end up back again. Yep. It's just like, you know, it's like their own personal heroine. Mm. So uh, the show notes and then we'll... Say what is there something thought. addictive in the TARDIS by any chance? I don't know. So <laughs> some of the show notes are quite interesting, so we'll go through them. Uh, the story had the working title of The Time of Nayman or The Time of Omega. I think that would have given it away. Uh, basically, Sean Arnold. I don't know who Sean Arnold is, but I do know who Patrick Stewart was. It says Sean Arnold and Patrick Stewart were considered for the role of the Castellan. So they actually thought about them. Patrick Stewart would have been cool. Um, Peter Cushion was considered for the role of Boras, which I think was quite an interesting one. Piers Brosnan was reportedly considered for Maxill. Obviously, it was given to um, Colin Baker. 
Linda Bellingham was considered for Chancellor Thal. Um, then there's a little bit about Con Baker. Con Baker was cast as Maxwell after assistant floor manager Lynn Richards recalled seeing Baker in City at the Edge of the World, a 1980s episode of Blake Seven. So that's how he got the point. And obviously, mm. then later on, he made such a uh, impression that he then became the Doctor. Uh, crowd control in Amsterdam provided to be a major issue throughout the suit, with Dutch viewers recognising Peter Davison from All Creatures Great and Small. So John Nathan Turner tried to assist Ron Jones, who's obviously the director, in uh, dealing with the onlookers and indeed is visible in the transmitted version of Ark Infinity, gesturing away a group of onlookers in the background. A part four scene of a Doctor and Nyssa at the telephone box. At one point, Nathan Turner's attempts at crown control became dangerous when an elderly woman assumed he was a thief and attacked him. So, when did yeah. you get it with a walking stick or a limo frame? Yeah, so... Um, Ah, this is what I'm thinking. This is probably what I'm thinking. I always thought we got a sequel. I think this one was actually the sequel because it says Ian Collier takes on the role of Omega, originally played by Steve Thorne in the TV's The Three Doctors. So Omega was actually in The Three Doctors. See, I so we've actually already seen, seen him. So. When they when you mentioned Omega, uh, you know, I thought, well, we've seen something with Omega in before. I swear we have. Mm. And yeah, so that just confirms it. So it says every story during season 20 features a component of a story from the show's past. For this serial, it was Omega who last yeah, but who, you... who last faced the first three incarnations of the Doctor in the 10th anniversary story, The Three Doctors. Uh, it says Tegan is the first companion to have rejoined the Doctor on his travels after having departed, although other companions, uh, recurring characters have previously left the Doctor's company, then reappeared. Um... So, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, look at the 60th anniversary special. you got Donna Noble back. A uh, little bit of a uh, bit of trivia from Colin Baker. Hey, Colin Baker had to remove his elaborate helmet because he has a helmet with like a big sort of feather on it. Quiff. He basically nicknamed it Esmeralda as it kept bumping into doorways and arches on the set and he spent most of the story with the helmet under his arm against his hip. It was me thinking that was because he didn't want to squash his hair. He later said it felt like he was carrying a, carrying a chicken around and took to calling it the chicken. So, yeah. Well, I thought he didn't want to put it on to mess his pretty hair up. Mm. So there are some more other bits, but I think that's uh, kind of some of the most because you know what happens when you have like massively curly hair Mm. you try and put a hat on it just sort of bounces up yeah i know so what did you think of ark infinity becky i thought it was all right i think it's a good one yeah i think it's a good one as well it'll Uh, seem worse it's a nice little start to the season uh and we've we've seen a lot worse um that people have rated a lot higher which i don't understand well so then like they say everyone's got you know, like I say, opinions are like bumholes. Everyone's got one. You segued into that on purpose because you knew I, you know what I'm going to do next, which is Mark Campbell's episode <laughs> Guide Verdict. Very well played. Um, so yeah, well, clearly you opinions. need to tell our oldest that because someone had an opinion on so before, Friday and look what happened. Yeah, well, before I uh, actually read out Mark Campbell's verdict, it's a nice time to say that all of the social medias will be in the description. So let us know what you thought of the Ark Infinity and let's find out what Mark Campbell thinks because I think it's a great, good one. I think now looking back on it and Peter Davison's run so far, there are a couple in that last season that I really like, but this one I actually really do like. It's a nice little start. So, are you ready? So basically, it's a, a bland direction. 
awful music, stilted dialogue, wooden acting. It's only saving grace is Davison's portrayal of Omega in the final part. Would you like to hazard a guess as what number out of 10 Mr. Mark Campbell two. gave it? You're dead on. It's a two. <laughs> he gave it a two out of 10. Now, I know it's subjective. I'm not going to call him out on his what he his scores. I'd say it's about a six and a half on average. You know, it's come on, a two. Come on, it's. I'd say it's about ridiculous. a six point five as an it's average. It's ridiculous. I know this. Like, what is this? This book is like written in like two thousand and uh, I can't remember what, what is it. Two thousand and ten. So, you know, it is thirteen for uh, thirteen years old. I understand that, but. This one is definitely not a two. There's no, no way. We've seen way worse ones that have been... We've seen way worse acting and dialogue than this one. It's We've just... seen way worse that would have deserved a two from me, let alone, you know... This is actually quite a good and one. And I think it's... at one point, I, I think I've even gone lower than an earthly child. Mm. An earthly child. I don't believe that's two. That's a little rubbish. Because you were like, oh, an unearthly child's got a really low one, and then everyone's, I went lower. Everyone's entitled to their opinions, but that one, I just don't agree with that. No, not now. Two out of ten is really low. That's too low. That's poor. I don't think... Even, what's, the, what's the lowest I've actually gone? I don't know, but... I think I don't, I don't think I've even gone lower than a four. Oh, well, he's put a two, so we'll take it as that as the other opinion. Well, I suppose so. at least that's not a zero. Yeah, well... Anyway, so like I said, but then, social media. You know, he's an idiot. So that's the thing. That's kind of what makes me laugh, really, because it's like, I so some. It's a very rarity mm. that I happen to agree with him. Yeah, I know. It's a very and rare. It's a rare thing that we do actually agree with like, Mark Campbell's guide. So. It's a lot of the time, and just to put this out there, I never actually. I don't read this book. Um. So I don't deliberately go against it because I've never read the book, so I no. wouldn't know. Um, no. I've never seen these episodes either. Basically, so it's you know it's literally just my opinion versus you know well our opinion. Yeah, it's it's a. Well, our, I say our opinions it's against a book. reference source. Yeah. That we like to put into the podcast to get a outsider's perspective uh, on basically the serials that we're watching so it's what, nice what i'm saying what is i don't think, i don't so. just you know because you know if that were me and i was listening to it i'd be thinking well you're just saying anything to be the opposite but actually i don't know what you're gonna say from that book so so if if mark campbell's listening i don't think he is but if he's listening then we don't purposely maybe, just disagree <laughs> maybe a revision of your book you might want to go back is in and order <laughs> go back and watch the ark infinity i don't think it's as bad as what you say it is i didn't think it was anyway i thought it was a quite good one so anyway so let us know what you thought of it and but then next... there have been ones that he's thought are really good and i've actually thought are really crap yeah well that's just so... it and the trouble is with mark hamilton's guide is that although sometimes... there is the odd occasion where he's actually right he does go for cliche sometimes though so genesis is like a 10 you know it's that's a cliche because everyone knows it's oh yeah 10. everyone basically automatically goes for genesis because it's like the first appearance of davros and every Everyone's like, oh, well, that's where the jelly baby scene came mm. from. Actually, it's not. I have watched yeah. that million and one times. There is nothing in it about the jelly babies at all. Mm. So next week. That actually don't come, um, I think, till the following time we meet Stavros. No. So like I said, uh, each serial has something which has previously been in Doctor Who and it comes back. Next week's is 
titled Snake Dance, Becky. Would you like to hazard a guess as to what comes back in Snake Dance? Indiana Jones. Well, Indiana Jones has not been in Doctor Who. What are you talking about? Well, no, Indiana Jones don't like snakes and neither do I. I know, but there's been a snake in Doctor Who before, which is in the title. Mara. The Mara, yes. So the Mara yes, come back in next but week's episode. what I'm saying so. is, the only reason I said Indiana Jones is because I'm guessing snakes and I don't like snakes. So, and and we, I was trying to do a reference of Indiana Jones don't like snakes either. And we also get a very, very, very young Martin Clunes. Oh, God, really? Appear into Doctor Who. So join is, us. is that before or after he grew into his ears? Oh, you can't do that now, Becky. You can't have a go at people's facial features. Come on, the guy has got like massive ears. Kind of. Oh, come on. If I can tease my stepdad about the fact... Well, he always goes on at me about my nose, which I've mm. never had an issue with my nose till then. But now I've, I basically go on about his ears because they just look really droopy. Right, well, we'll leave that comments until next week. So, let's say well, next week. Today, if you can't give it, if you can't take it, you can't give it. Next week's is Snake Dance. Uh, we hope you can join us and thank you for listening this week. So... I think it's time to wrap it up. So I'll say goodbye, Becky. Bye-bye. Say bye-bye. That's it. Bye-bye. <laughs>